Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Strength to Be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. We are now reverting back to the interview segment, so happy to do so after we've had a bit of a delay on that scheduling and all. We have a, a wonderful writer here, uh, Donald Dean Mace. He's an artist, a poet, and a freelance writer. He lives and works quietly in Yuma, Arizona. He's been published by my magazine, Ario Chart, as well as the Yuma Daily Sun, Arizona Western College Magazine, and his poetry was, was featured in a public service broadcast. Donald, welcome to the show, and thank you very much for being with us. And I think that's also the job of a, of a, of a writer. Well, a writer has a lot of jobs. You know, first of all, we know that the writers should entertain and should bring us around to uh, thinking of things, not just feeling, uh, but feeling things as well. But also, I think thinking about things and thinking about life, and 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 that's what art is. We were going to talk about art, but I think also that's the job of poetry. Poetry, at least according to Henry Miller, and I tend to agree with him, is the poet, like the science fiction writer, I think, takes us into the future. It says something that poetry says something sort of that can't be said any other way. And it sort of takes us into the future to, in that sense, that the, things could be better. It, it causes us to think. And, and, I, and I definitely uh, agree uh, upon many of the points you make. I just wanted to clarify a little bit, that's all, because mm -hmm. sometimes... Uh, when when people are, are reviewing things or asked to be review things, all they could be doing is uh, replacing maybe one ideology with another, or one prison with another, or one addiction with another. I know plenty of people that has ceased using drugs and alcohol, mm -hmm. but by replacing that with uh, uh, what I what I find to be a, a little bit more of a, an extreme uh, religious viewpoint, and mm -hmm. and all they've done is. They are, they are now a sober nut where before they were a drunk nut. <laughs> and I'm not really sure how the world benefits uh, just from exchanging one poison for another. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Mark. Um, uh, ideologies are dangerous things. Uh, and, um, yeah, that, that's why I, I have to roll with spirituality um, as opposed to some sort of uh, established religion. And I could go on for decades about that. I was born and raised a, a Catholic um, and I, I moved on from that because, to, in my opinion, and, and, they, and religion like politics is sort of a dangerous subject to play around with. But I think maybe that's our job as writers to take a look at some of the things that other people don't want to talk about. But for me, you know, it's all it's all fun and games until they have you out, you know, burning witches. You're looking for witches to burn. Um, the idea for me behind religion, what religion really should do, I think, is point you to a spiritual relationship, a personal spiritual relationship, where whoever it is you decide God is for you. Or if God doesn't exist, then you should decide that for yourself. I personally believe he does. He, she does. I don't think God has a gender. But um, 
I think that's what religion should do. And unfortunately, it, it, too many instances, it doesn't do that. It tends to uh, find followers, fanatical followers, and then you have somebody that, that uh, you know, that's, um, that's in power and they enjoy staying in power and tithing, of course, and so on and so forth. So yeah, the, for me, that's how all that stuff evolves because it'll, it'll it, go, it'll go from <laughs> enlightenment and love. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, it notices uh, last week I had 52 people. Now I got 700. Well, maybe well, we could figure out a way to do something about that. And, and by controlling them, uh, we can gain some uh, power. We can gain some money. We can gain some some access. And that's that's how those things go awry really fast because it, it goes from uh, something that, that's more community-oriented to suddenly now that's becoming more mm-hmm. centralized. And mm-hmm. when you centralize anything, whether it's a government or a religion or a business, you're, you're, asking, you're asking for trouble because it, it's going to take shortcuts, ethical and otherwise, Mm-hmm. to achieve its goals mm-hmm. yeah agreed i think it, you know if you look at the the, the, the premise of all religions um the, the idea is love a connection you know brotherhood sisterhood um you know a, a, a love of the self a love for god and uh you know a, a love of your brothers and sisters it's love but unfortunately uh people begin to peddle the idea of god and and look to that to build a power base for their own personal goals. I don't see, I don't agree with that. That's, that's not to me what, what, what God is about. And I put down in uh, one of my, my bits, uh, my page that's uh, to me, you know, uh, God is bigger than any religion. No religion can, can, can claim to know God. Um, if God created everything, because he, my personal belief is I am one with God and God is everything. That's my personal belief, spiritual. So if God created everything, in my perspective, then no one religion can capture God, the idea of God. God is greater than all of that. And, and so anyway, I, I, we'll go back to – we're kind of getting off here, but we'll go back to the point uh, that we were trying to make is that um, you know, spirituality is, is the way to go and – and uh, and kind of stay away from the uh, the, the fanaticism that, that's involved nowadays, unfortunately, with religions and with the division in our country. I think that's another form of fanaticism, and we need to take a look at that. We're, we're talking about diversity because, for me, diversity is one of the most beautiful things on the planet. I mean, what would we be without it if everybody was the same? And I agree. As long as it doesn't become its own religion or his own fanatical point because you know you got some folks out there right now that diversity means that they should beat up on a guy like me who who's an italian guy and and older mm-hmm. so and a male so therefore i'm an enemy about on three different platforms where i'm just a guy who writes and has a show i'm not i'm not hurting mm-hmm. anybody but you got some right. folks out there that thinks diversity means it shouldn't include me as far as i'm concerned if we're talking about diversity you got to include some white guys in it too. It centers everybody else but me. And that's the problem <laughs> that's with that. It gets a little get a little carried away, and it's like I find that uh, offensive in its own self. I'm okay with being open with everyone, but that doesn't mean I have to be excluded. Exactly, you have to be careful with reverse discrimination too, which I think also is is a problem right now. But getting back to the term, you know, the idea of diversity, people don't understand the diversity that's actually in their lives right now. If you go out to have a pizza, guess what? The basis of pizza came from Italy, correct? 
uh, if you go out and people love to go have Mexican food, all right? Guess where the Mexican food came from? It came from Mexico. That's a diverse society as opposed to the United States, which, of course, is the uh, great melting pot. But it, you have a different Greek food or Chinese food. That's diversity in itself. And you, you take that to the broader idea of where people, of course. But that's what makes life interesting is the diversity of people and the, and, and the ideas and the art and the literature and and. and, and you know the, the the plays, whatever you know that they've come up with, their ways of viewing a, a life and of being human. That's the beauty of diversity. And and I completely agree. I just finished and released an episode uh, about James Baldwin. Uh, I did. I, I saw that. I listened to that rather and was excellent. And uh, yeah, thank you, but I learned quite a bit. I, and, I, and I appreciate that. But mm-hmm. if you think about him and, and his thoughts on being black and being gay and being diverse and, and being mm-hmm. out there, you know, mm-hmm. in the streets, literally trying to achieve something. I mean, he would have, he would probably object to a lot of stuff that we do these days because in many ways, uh, we've kind of lost the path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we have. I don't think he'd been happy about some of this stuff at all. And that's why I think that's important for writers nowadays to really take a look at, um, at guiding people back you know, um, to the path, to, to, to having the strength to be human, to be beautiful. We can't, we have both. I mean, we all know that, that we have our good side and we have our bad side. Um, but we need to focus more on the goodness and on the good side of ourselves. The, you know, the, the, the love and appreciation of diversity, for caring for one another, um, and for loving all of, all of life, all of humanity, not just ourselves, but the world around us. I think we need to start taking a little bit better care of our rainforests, for instance. I mean, we could go on about that forever, but, um, you know, we only have one planet, uh, at least that we can reach right now, but well, we need to kind of take care of the one we have. So, well, we, we definitely do. And I think that the best art, uh, writing, you know, and other art forms, uh, when it talks about some of the basic things that we do in life and that we can appreciate in life it becomes some of the best art and in many ways it, it supersedes a lot of the a lot of the political and even some of the spiritual notions we have because sometimes mm-hmm. those things are uh, if not out there don't seem to be, uh, very achievable you know mm-hmm. uh like that like, like that bill they were trying to pass um yeah no cars no planes uh, no oil and we'll just live in a cave with a solar panel <laughs> And eat granola bars to the year three thousand. I mean, what's, I mean, I'm all for having a, a cleaner and more prosperous planet. I'm all for uh, having a battery car. But until they make a battery that actually runs long enough to compete with with, with a fossil fuel, and until you have some some ideas and programs that make sense, any any kind of ridiculous radical change, all, all you do is you, you harm the country you're in. Because I guarantee you the rest of the world is not going to adopt this. They think we're idiots. Yeah, I agree. Well, fossil fuel, of course, that's what the world economy is based on. So that's going to be a tough monkey. Um, See, I don't really think it's a tough monkey. Get a no? damn get a damn battery that's going to last six, seven hours, and people would have these 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 electric cars all over the damn place. People are not opposed to that. They're opposed to a car that they have to charge for eight hours at night and then it runs for like ninety minutes. What the mm-hmm. hell's that? That's not going to help anybody. Until they can invent a battery that's that's light enough and cheap enough and, and can last long enough, mm-hmm. you can't compete with that. And, and until you can compete with that, why should people change? 
because you're asking them to dump their whole lives and and the economy and their jobs and everything for something that doesn't make a lot of sense. So mm -hmm. we can definitely replace it, but we got to come up with the tools to do so. And, and at this point, they still haven't. The, the best batteries we have last a few hours. Or they have these hybrids, which makes no sense to me. If we're trying to get rid mm -hmm. of the damn combustion engine, why is it in the car with a battery? <laughs> well, I mean, the battery runs out, then you can you can shut off the engine. I, I thought we were trying to replace that. So mm -hmm. uh, until we can do that, uh, that's that's what I, I tell what I tell people all the time. These goals that people want about uh, a cleaner earth or a, a more a more civil or a more civil earth, a peaceful earth. You, you got to get people some practical replacements to the things you're talking about. Otherwise, you, why, why are they going to put down anything? You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's no way that, uh, that people are going to change unless they have viable options. And uh, those those aren't out there currently. And, uh, and, and we, so we, I think you're absolutely rush, right. We rush to this stuff and then then you wind up putting some stupid bill out there that makes absolutely no sense at all. And, and of course, everybody's laughing at it. And, and in my opinion, when you do something like that, so premature, you wind up hurting some legitimate efforts. Because now when people hear something like that, they're going to think the worst. They're going to think the extreme. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True. True. Yeah, I think you need to be careful with what, what you throw out there. Um, I, I think that there are, there, are, there are options out there. and I think we need to move towards those and really sort of work in um, within, as we used to do, of course. You know, we started, you know, when we came out of the swamps, we drug our knuckles through the, the dirt forever until somebody had an original thought. That thought became everything that that's that we have now, you know, built upon those original thoughts. Uh, so I think we need to think a little bit differently, and we need to try and get ourselves. We sort of removed ourselves from nature, not completely, but quite a bit, right. living within nature. And I think we need to get back to that a little bit, live within nature. I don't see why we can't have a, a trees everywhere, uh, fruit trees. So they fall on the ground, and people can walk by and pick up an apple. Why not? You know. Um, I was on, I'm, I'm not against that. I just I just remind people that the, the very nature of a city is something that's against nature. And you know why it's against nature? Because as beautiful as nature can be, nature is often more heartless than the most heartless dictator that humans can put out there because it eats each other. It, it, it gives diseases that harm things, including us. It's mm -hmm. weather and storms can destroy us and we need shelter. Oftentimes cities save us from, from, from the worst weather just as much as they can be uh, you know, used to harm us. So we have to also remember, too, that I don't know if it's really possible to be in harmony with nature because nature is not really in harmony with us. It's on, on its own course that can also be very destructive, but it doesn't mean that we can't work with it. I just, I just, don't, uh, I just don't believe that you know, we're really going to be uh, in perfect harmony with something like that because it doesn't make any sense with the... Well top of the food chain so there's certain things in nature that we're going to have an objection to well yes we are going to have an objection to it but that we are part of nature and i think nature is, is running its course with us as being part of nature uh if it if it uh, if it's finding diseases for us we should naturally and, and we should definitely combat that and find cures and things like that but you know uh nature has a way of thinning populations you know yeah, I was trying uh, to avoid that because, you know, I don't, I don't want to get thinned out, okay? 
<laughs> I agree with you 100%. I don't want to yeah. see anybody get thinned yeah. out. Then, 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 but in, then but, Mother Nature is, is, is not a friend anymore. Then Mother Nature <laughs> is the B word, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I understand. So, But we're all, all part of nature. So she is going to uh, deal with us one way or another. Well, I definitely, I definitely like uh, reading poetry when people have certain certain uh, nature aspects to it. I get it more from the from the foreign um, writers than I do uh, in, in America, which they tend to write more more city or more suburban or mm-hmm. just more modern, you know, reality. Yes, that's that's well, that might have the influences of hip hop and the direction that music is going nowadays. I'm I'm sort of a more of a '60s kind of a guy. Yeah, well, I'm old enough to at least remember the 70s anyway. But I, I like the 80s. I, I like all the yeah. 80s. Did you like stuff. the 80s? Yeah, yeah I'm going really, to really, because that's when I really got to enjoy music and, and was traveling around the world in the military. So that was really mm. a, a, a good time for me. Mm. Now, I, I understand that you, you were doing some art as well. And if maybe you could talk a little bit about um, what art not only what art is, but the, some of the major uh, differences uh, with art and, and writing, because there's, there's got to be a, a gigantic difference since they, they use different <laughs> mediums and oftentimes they relay different messages. Yeah, it's a big subject. Um, I do. I, I paint. Uh, my sister, as we talked about, is also a painter and uh, she's uh, got herself qualified to begin teaching courses. So uh, she's yeah. got some things accepted and she's... Uh, uh, it's supposed to be starting teaching uh, courses uh, in, in um, oil painting in, in some of these Las, in Las Vegas and a few other places. I sort of dabble in it. I love, um, you know, I love to paint in particular in acrylic because it's so fast. I don't want to spend months working on an oil. I want to knock it out and get it done. The same thing, I like to do drawings, which I have the drawings all over the, send them all over the world to different people as I do them. People ask for them and I call them doodles. Uh, but so what they are is basically a doodle and I draw little scenes or whatnot, uh, intricate force scenes. But I always try and include a message uh, because I think that's what art is, real art. If you go back to your classical definition of art, which art is the right way to do something. And so when I do art, if I'm going to take the time to do a piece of art, whether it be a poem, whether it be a short story, whether it be a painting, whether it be a drawing, I want there to be something in there for somebody and I did one recently and I gave it to my aunt um, basically I did a forest scene and approaching the forest uh, into the forest as you go into the forest there's a uh, trail and at the end of the, at the, at the before the, the page comes to an end the trail diverges off into two separate areas one area is light the area other is dark and in the middle and off to the side of the road, uh, off to the side of the trail, I have a branch hanging down, and on that, hanging from that branch, I have an apple. Now I think that it should be obvious that, looking at Genesis, the apple of the knowledge of good and evil, and having taken that knowledge of good and evil, you have two paths to go: to the light or to the dark, to the positive or to the negative. You have the knowledge. What do you do with that knowledge of self, of right and wrong? And so when when I do art, that's what I'm looking to do. I want a message. I want somebody to see something and get an idea and say, 
okay, I get what he's trying to say. And it's something that can be important to me or that may help me somewhere along the line. And, and, and to me, that's, that's art. That's what art is. And I try to do the same things, as I said already, with, in a poem. When I write a poem, I want there to be uh, uh, something in there for somebody. Uh, now, a, a big kudo for me, I guess if you would like to call it that, is I got uh, notified uh, from a school that they had gotten a hold of one of my poems and they'd asked me if they could basically freely use it. Of course, I gave permission. Uh, what they were doing was they're using the poem to um, deal with troubled teens in regards to addiction and suicide. And to me, that was just that was huge for me on a personal basis. That that poem was actually uh, being used to help somebody. And so me that and it was called the Liquid Dream She Dies For. It was actually the name of the poem. And, and to me, that was just a, a huge thing. That something that I had done, that had gotten out there and was at least potentially helping people. Wow, I like that. I, I always like when writing or art in general can can be used for things that folks don't always think that it's intended for. I mean, I always tell people mm -hmm. that writing can necessarily be used for for therapy. There's a lot mm -hmm. of therapy out there as well. Um, mm -hmm. No one says it can't be used for commercial means to, to, to get something sold. As long as it's not something that's offensive, why not? Right. I actually wrote it from my, my youngest brother, Joseph, uh, died of a drug addiction, uh, um, an accidental overdose. So the poem actually stemmed from, from that experience from inside me. Uh, and then that's what happens to the, uh, you know, to the character in the poem. Uh, and so I think that's where a lot of good art comes from is our personal experiences. So if anything good, which is not much, of course, I don't feel came out of that. Um, at least something came out that, that, uh, you know, because my poems are my little children, they went off into the world and now it's doing some good for somebody. So, and that's really what they are in many ways. When the best writers I always find, they often, uh, refer to to their to their art, you know, like 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 family members and and, and mm -hmm. like and like something they had to be uh, shepherding and being responsible for as they go out there, mm -hmm. and maybe they got to come back and get adjusted now and then, and like anything else. Mm -hmm. And and I I find the ones that do that that they're the ones that care the most about uh, what they're trying to do and what they're trying to say. Well, uh, two things on that is first of all, um, the art is in the edit. You know, it's it, it, you write something and it's 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 wonderful and you come back to it and you're like, um, so I continually like to go back to my work uh, and 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 redo it. And I've had poetry that is that is that's come off the top of my head and it's been perfect in my opinion. And I've had poetry that I've been reworking for years uh, and that that's constantly developing as stories do or. Uh, I don't see a problem, even if something's been published, to go back. If you see that there's something that can make it better, I would say do that. Uh, and that would lead me to part two, which is that anything you do do, especially if it gets published, it's out there in the public eye, that is representational of you as an individual. Uh, that is now you. Mm. Uh, I'm a big I'm a big proponent. We talked about on the show on many occasions that mm -hmm. I don't believe it's a secret – 
but the 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 real the real um I, I find success in, in writing it is is more than being willing to to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. I mean, I'm putting fixed mm-hmm. pieces out there that people don't realize that I probably wrote like 15 times. Mm-hmm, exactly, and it's hard to do. Agreed. I mean, these are your little masterpieces, but uh, you know, um, yeah, sometimes you have to do it. Well, if you're willing to put it to a side and not try to rush it out the window right away, you're going to see stuff that could change, that could be improved upon. New eyes will do that. But it's kind of hard to have new eyes when you just did it and and then you just shoved it out the the door and it's really a first draft. And then you wonder why people don't like it. Exactly. Um, And that's, that's, you know, another thing I tell writers is to be appreciative of criticism. Take it in stride. These are new sets of eyes, especially constructive criticism, uh, and, and it may hurt. That's true, but these are these are a different set of eyes to look at your work and to and then they're telling you, this is what I see and this is how I think it can be better. Um, and you should take that as a, as, as a compliment. First of all, that this individual is willing to, you know, to give you an honest opinion, which is hard to get nowadays. Um, to give you an honest opinion and and um you know take it in stride and be willing and joyful that you can make your work better because that's what i think you need to do constantly strive to be better and compete against yourself i think that's another important thing i've never tried to compete against and i'll never be an henry miller or a tom robbins but i can read them in and love what they do but i compete against myself how can i make my voice better my 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 thing is clearer Okay. It's what really, can I do it's for really my the best work? lesson for writers to hear, and I, I never tire of having to repeat it. it, is is to constantly try to find uh, new ways to improve your work. And, and just the, the most basic ways is just to let it sit for a while. Do not think that you wrote something a couple of days, it's ready to go. Keep yeah. keep looking at it, and you're going you're gonna to wind up keep tinkering with it. And you'll know. You'll know when there's a point where it's like, yeah, I think it's ready to go now. I'm done. I'm done tinkering. I can't see anything else. And then you know it's ready again. That's really the best way, and the best measuring stick on, on how to put something out there. Because I, you know, I run the uh, the magazine too, and mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've had to review stuff, mm-hmm. and, and read stuff, and return stuff that wasn't ready. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. the person was a bad writer. It doesn't mean that their thoughts made no sense. It, it, you could just tell that certain lines were better than others. And when you see that kind of inconsistency, it means they just really didn't review it carefully. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say over and over and over again, the art is in the edit. And I've told that to her because I've, I've given classes um, in writing back when and, um, MySpace was a thing. I had, a, I had a, you know, a few thousand people, and I would have people, literally kids, and, and, and sending me their work and asking me to review it for them and take a look at it. And I would, of course, um, these young writers. And I would always tell them the same thing over and over and over. Edit, 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 edit. And another thing I think that, uh, that that people is helpful, and something I do. I, two things now I'm going to talk about. But something I do is I like to read my work aloud, so that I hear how it sounds with the human voice. Yeah, I know a few writers that, that do that as part of their own ritual. Mm-hmm. The other thing, and I, I've done this for years, and uh, and then I ran across uh, um, Stephen King's uh, something I read about Stephen King, who wrote that this is what he did and i thought well that's interesting but this is what i do when i'm writing a scene i'll put on a, a 
a piece of music, for instance, and that music, uh, I set it on replay. So that music is constantly going in the background. And though I'm not consciously paying attention to it, it's it's part of everything. It's part of the mood. It's part of the whole process. As I'm writing, that music, that mood, the essence of all that is, finds its way into the scene. And I think it really helps to create an interesting mood within the scene. Uh, and so that's another thing that I've suggested to people. And uh, I do regularly, not necessarily with poetry, but when I'm writing a, a story or, or a scene in one of my books or something, that's what I do. And I find that really helpful. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. I, I always am interested and curious about people's various rituals because many writers mm -hmm. have different ones. Some of them just based on the particular personality that they are and others just mm -hmm. based on the kind of life they have where, you know, they only have some time to do this mm -hmm. so they're going to do it in a certain way because mm -hmm. of what they're doing. And, and others just simply because, you know, a lot of writers can be eccentric and maybe even a bit superstitious. <laughs> yeah, you know? like baseball players. Yeah, I think that yeah, I think that works through a stream of consciousness. I think that's really where it works because I find myself I'm just fluid, I'm flowing. Um, and then of course we go back to the art is in the edit. So when I go to re-edit the piece, I look at it hard, cold, fresh from a different perspective. No music, no nothing. I'm looking at it now as an editor. And, and so that's, and that's my good. Process. You can shift in that. I mean, that's really what mm -hmm. people should be doing more on, on a regular basis. And uh, I think mm -hmm. when you have the, the writers in the beginning of their stages of writing, or maybe just the ones that, that tend to be impatient, they, mm -hmm. you know, they skip over they skip over some of that because they, they, you know, they think we're just droning on, or, you know, we're a bunch of old fuddy duddies. But it, it's not <laughs> about it's not about being older, and it's not about even experience and wisdom it's just about practicality why would mm -hmm. you think on the godson over here that you know this poem or this fiction piece or this non-fiction piece is perfect on the first draft it's practically if not impossible it's pretty close to it it doesn't happen i've been 36 years i can't even tell you on my hands how many times i wrote something on the first draft that was ready to go i have i have actually. a couple of pieces maybe but, I mean, I've written thousands of things. So uh, mm -hmm. having two or three out of a couple thousand, which does that mean? Like 99.999% of everything right. I wrote, I had to rewrite five, six, seven times, ten times. So happens to me regularly. Yeah. But I also have had, I've had, I have one poem um, that just, it just popped into my head, and it stayed there, and then I wrote it down. And it's called, um, um, anyway, uh, Symbiotic. And it, it goes like this. I am, you are, one without the other, we are not. Love, we are that too, all of it. And that poem just popped into my head and stayed there all day until I wrote it down. That's the exact way it popped into my head. Yeah, it's so, very Japanese that, sounding, you know? <laughs> almost haiku. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it does happen, I think, but uh, you're right. Uh, it, there's a there's a people really need to focus on editing. Yeah, because That's it, the it's, biggest it's, thing. it's arrogant to think that, you know, everything that pops in our head is going to be perfect and it's going to be art. Mm -hmm, exactly. It, it might seem like it. And that's good. But step back, give it some time, take a look at it and then find the art. Yeah, it's like most Michelangelo. Work. You got to be looking in, into into chipping away at it. It's not going to be all exactly. right. Exactly. 
I was just going to say that, you know, uh, I think it was Michael Angelo that said, uh, they, you know, Michael Angelo, Michael Angelo said that uh, when he was asked about the, the, the you know, where the, um, you know, where, where, where the art came from, where, where the, where the figure came from out of the marble weeds, it's in there. I just have to chip away until it comes out. And, and I think that's uh, analogous uh, to most people's work. The brilliance is in there. The diamond's in there. But you need to start chipping it out. And that's why I go back again. The art is in the edit. Edit, 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 edit. Now, we had talked earlier uh, before we jumped on here. And I told you about that book I'd written. Uh, uh, yeah, you had a, you had a cool was, story yeah. that went on the whole genesis to what you're doing now. So definitely you should relate that. I think people will be interested to hear that. Yeah, I wrote this whole novel and it was um uh basically it was sort of autobiographical in the sense that henry miller might have written something like that and so it was when i returned from europe because i spent 10 years in europe i returned from europe i landed up in Yuma, arizona and uh and my sort of my thoughts between having left europe and it, some of the novel did involve me leaving europe coming to the states and then the life in yuma and uh, it, uh, it, after I reread it, I set it down. I reread it. It was horrible, absolutely horrible. Uh, so I, 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 I deleted it. I threw all copies away. I shredded it. It was gone, 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 gone. And then it popped up again on an old disc I had. Uh, so now I have it. It's still horrible. But I have managed to go in and take a look at it and uh, pull some things out, rework them, and come up with some a few things I think are viable. Uh, but as Henry Miller said, I think your first million words are useless. And uh, for me, at least, that, that was the case. And uh, it's, a, it's a learning process. And I think more importantly, what it really taught me was how much I did not know. And that really sent me into um, doing coursework. Really taking a look at, uh, you know, at, um, you know, digging into what, what makes, what makes a story a story. You know, how do you character, uh, create characters? How do you create, uh, 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 uh we talked about this a little earlier too. I said I just finished a, a course in, uh, screenwriting. How do you create an engine? Um, and how do you reverse engineer? So you have a presupposed ending. How do you go back and engineer it? So that you can bring these folks, these characters, forward uh, into this this ending that that you want, you know. Um, and so that to me was probably the, the biggest value of that was it really showed me what I did not know and sent me to begin finding out what I did need to know to write something worth reading. Hey, I love that. I love that story. I really do. I think. Um... That's probably happened to us a, a few times out there, so I'm definitely going to get some uh, feedback on this. Uh, but quite frankly, most people are not as candid as you are. I don't know people that say, yeah, I did a bunch of stuff and it all turns out to be crap, but I'm able to save some of it. Most people don't ever describe their work that way, even if they know it's really? crap. It's not an easy thing to do. It's almost like having to say that, yeah, my, uh, my fourth child's a bit ugly, but the other ones are beautiful. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say. No, that's I imagine it would be yeah. So yeah, I, I've got a lot of junk out there, trash. I think we've all written it, whether we want to admit it or not. It's just total junk, and but that that's the that's part of the process, Mark. It is. I just process. don't get too many people that are that candid. I, I've gotten mm -hmm. people doing all kinds of stuff, and 
That's fine. I, I think it's refreshing, and, and it's what the show is really about, and I, I really think it, it'll help people uh, maybe climb a little bit out of the uh, the closet they can put themselves in sometimes, and, and then sometimes <laughs> just that, you know, they're on the they're on the top shelf when they should maybe be in the middle because, you know, you, you can't get to the top shelf unless you start editing, okay? <laughs> exactly. It's, you know, it's our, it's our mistakes that really move us forward. That's what people forget. It's okay to make mistakes. Screw up. Learn from it. That's the main thing. Learn from it and move forward. It's just not easy you know? for most folks because when you think about it's not. in their personal life, oftentimes the mistakes they can make, they're not literary. They're, um, mm-hmm. I made a mistake in the job and they just fired me. I made a mistake with this girl who I really think would have been the one mm-hmm. and now she just told me to go to heck. Or mm-hmm. I made a mistake driving and now I got this big ticket and a cop's looking at me weird. You know, mm-hmm. so oftentimes the mistakes that we make that we might have a great learning from, they're extremely mm-hmm. painful to make. The learning is can be very painful. If you remember growing up, school sometimes was very painful having to learn these things. But that that's I think that's what's really important is we we make mistakes, honest mistakes now. Not, and we take we you know we take the onus for those mistakes. We learn and we grow and we make ourselves better. That's I think that's the best we can do being human it's just always work at making ourselves better and i think that's the um the uh, idea behind art art looks to make us better that's why i like about art the most because i think many times art and writing music just you could put it all under art um sometimes it's the only onus we have to to see the world better or to see that we mm-hmm. can make it better because oftentimes in our daily lives People are not running around being arrogant saying, I don't need to improve myself because I'm really just fine. I just think mm. they just figure, I don't have the time for it, or I'll push it off for another day, or maybe I'm just happy enough where I'm at, I don't really need to do any more. So they're mm-hmm. not really thinking it in the terms of, uh, I'm already superior. I think that it's just thinking in the terms of, what what is that really going to do for me to be a better person? What does that do for the world? They don't always see the connection. Yeah, I agree, and I think also it's a, we get caught up. That's another one. We get caught up in our in our daily lives and and all the little things that are happening around us. We get completely caught up, and we sort of, you know, time ticks by, and next thing you know, you know, a day's gone by, a week's gone by, a month has gone by. It does, uh, doesn't it? It does. It sure does. Which is why I think it's important again for artists of any type to try and do something every day, to try and read something positive every day. And to try and write something every day. And you always have something to write about. Something happened in your daily life. Keep a journal. You know? Um, it's You can draw a picture really quick. And it's the same thing I've told people with education as far as... Because um, I uh, I have a bachelor's degree. And, uh, people is, would say that, you know, it's it would take so long to do it. Well, five years is going to come regardless if you have a finger in a pot and you continue to stir it, take one class at a time, at five years, you're going to be that far ahead of the game. You're going to have your degree done in five years, you know, at least your associates or something. Constantly keep your finger in the pot. Keep At least do something, something constantly to move yourself forward. Well, I definitely don't have any problem with that. I definitely have said to folks in the past mm-hmm. uh, that you can build your own rituals based on your own personal needs or you can just mm-hmm. do something arbitrary i suggested it with somebody because this is what i do a lot 
and they mm-hmm. liked doing it and they wound up working out for them. I said, listen, while you feel you're on those streams or, or steams or, or droplets of inspiration, go write a bunch of stuff. Just don't send mm-hmm. it out to anybody yet. Keep <laughs> yeah, writing. And right, then exactly. when you when you feel like you've pooped out, that's when you need to go back to that stuff and now do some editing. So you can exactly. literally do things in stages. You're still doing something every day. It's just that not every day is going to be the inspirational day. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Monday could be inspirational. Tuesday could be, oh, I got to edit it. And then Wednesday could be, I'm going to write something different again. And mm-hmm. you're always doing something, though, at least. And you know, and, and therefore, you're, you're, you're making your work go forward because you keep touching upon it. You might have to, you exactly. might not touch upon that very piece every day, but there's always mm-hmm. something you're, you're touching. This way you don't get yourself, uh, I, I feel, um, uh, uninspired by just working too much. I just don't know why nothing new coming out. Well, because it's not going to. So go back and start editing some of the stuff that, that needs to get looked at. And then you'll find that eventually it, it'll, it'll kick back in again. That's how it works. Exactly. Exactly. And you'll find stuff in your editing. New ideas will come forth. you see a new way of looking at something. Now, I think um, I'm going to refer back to Henry Miller because, frankly, he's my idol. Uh, is that something that he said that is you, when when you can't create, you can still work. And I think that summarizes what we're talking about. Yeah, it, it does. Because even if for some reason you just don't have a psychological, emotional mood to edit some of your stuff and you don't really feel you can create some new stuff, well, then maybe it's time to go run a mile or walk a couple mm-hmm. blocks or take the dog out someplace. Something mm-hmm. when you're out there, it, it, the, the life in the world might, might, might kickstart something again for you. But mm-hmm. staying in that, you know, that one hot corner, you know, watching mm-hmm. Netflix all day, you're not really <laughs> going to catch a whole lot of anything interesting. That's true. Unless, of course, what you could do is, again, take a course in screenwriting and then watch Netflix, the shows there with a critical eye. Oh, boy. You're going to have a lot of criticism on that. <laughs> and maybe so. But uh, I, I really do recommend a, a good course in, in – in, um, screenwriting even if you're not interested in becoming a screenwriter because i think it really helps you with storytelling and with character development and um and 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 then again that way when you do watch a film a play which i've done theater actually mark uh play or uh by acting i'm talking about um yeah i've already already been a playwright i never had to act thank god Yes, uh, it's yeah. Talk about butterflies. Anyway, That's definitely not for me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so bottom line is that yeah, I think you can you can always be doing something to move yourself forward. I mean, if you're if it's who you are, I think that's going to show. If you're a writer, you're going to write. You are you are going to be a writer. And really, the most important thing I think is to write for yourself, not to write so much commercially. I know there are people that want to do that. To do that. Everybody thinks I'm going to write a movie and I'm going to be rich and famous. Um, I think if you're a writer, you write for yourself and you, you're writing for humanity because it's who you are. I think that's the most, most important thing. Well, it's certainly the, 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 best, the best way to, to put something out there because oftentimes that can be your best foot forward. It could be the most authentic. Sometimes it could be the most most real because if you try to ape somebody it, it's going to come out crappy anyway exactly i mean you can you can you can um look at somebody's work i think and 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 really appreciate it and maybe pay a little homage to them 
But yeah, I don't think you want to plagiarize. That's just you know you're better. Everybody, we're better than that as writers, we right? Are. And as even, even the homages don't work real well. I had someone send me no. a fiction piece, and all I could say was, yeah, yeah, this is a low rent Edgar Allan Poe. Okay, so how about you just be who you are? Because trying to be this guy is ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. It's a, I like to play around with genres too. I think I, I did what did one piece that you didn't accept. It was called if if I were Shakespeare in the park, and you thought it would be like a little bit too much. Uh, uh, you know, your audience wouldn't accept it as as quite as yeah, well. Yeah, you have to put on the edit of the hat when you run the magazine a lot more than the writer's <laughs> hat. And if I of have course. a if I have an audience with a certain sensibility, especially one that that's plus sixty percent women. There's certain uh-huh. things I, I can't publish that they're going to have an objection to. And when they have an objections, what they're mm-hmm. really saying is they're, they're, they're pretty much questioning my judgment about why right. that's something in or not. So you, you have to be somebody different. So I means I, it means that in one one point I could say, hey, I like that. But in the uh-huh. other point, as an editor, I'm like, well, yeah, I like that for somebody else's magazine because I can't <laughs> swing here. So that, that's, yeah, that's, that's what you got to do sometimes. I had some guy, he wrote an incredible sexual poem it was very tasteful it was intelligent and smart but even with all of that it was so damn graphic i'm like dude i can't do this i mean it's just yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be beating me up for three years <laughs> <laughs> that's true because everything like as a writer everything we do talks to who we are as a publisher everything you publish talks to who you are yeah, it's one of the things i learned early on i made a few mistakes mm-hmm. early on and you pay uh-huh. for it and next thing you know you notice that you know, you're literally thousands behind on, on on views for your magazine. The next month is because people make you pay for that. They want right, to know if right. you're going to do the same thing again. You're going to come back and do something else. And mm-hmm. you, know, you don't want to do that because the whole point of, of putting this out there is to make sure that people are checking it out. And mm-hmm. when, you, exactly. when you upset those people, what you're really doing is, is you're now harming the 40 or 50 writers you just brought on board because now less people are going to read their mm-hmm. stuff, maybe possibly mm-hmm. check their links out or even buy their books because you wanted to be, you know, smart alecky with a piece that just didn't really fit the audience. So I, I had to learn that the hard way, but I, I've learned it. And sometimes you have to say no to somebody that you'd rather not. But just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you have yeah. to you, you have to sail the ship you've been given, you know. Exactly, I agree with you one hundred percent. I was not hurt that you did not publish that poem. Um, well, I just want people to know that because it's not like I sit yeah, here and yeah, go, "Oh, yeah. this is ridiculous." Oh, I hate this. Or this is so much fun. I try to take as much. As possible, I probably take a lot more than most people do. I mean, most magazines mm-hmm. rarely publish any more than twenty percent of what they received. We're close to the sixty percent mark. Wow! So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't reject a lot. A lot of times, the stuff mm-hmm. I do reject is just uh-huh. the content. It's just too out there for 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 the taste of the magazine, or you know, mm-hmm. occasionally it's just not put together well. But most of the times, mm-hmm. it, believe it or not, it's content. You know. You know, abortion and and, and circumcision and, 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 and uh, female circumcision and, you know, uh, I, I hate Israel. I mean, these are things that's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's like, no, come no, on, no, you're no, killing no. me here. Which, yeah, yeah, we're trying to make the world a better place, right? Let's not uh, let's not start picking on people. Well, I, I, you get that sometimes. And it doesn't mean well, it can't be that... written well. You, you know how many bigger the things I got that was written really well? Mm. I'm like, wow, if this guy wasn't such a hateful jerk, this would be a great poem. <laughs> but you gotta say no. Yeah, bigotry is not good. You know, it's not good. You need to love everybody. That's my opinion. You need to love everybody, even your enemy, because sometimes your enemy is yourself. Right? We are our own best friend, our own best enemy. You need to love everybody. 
But yeah, I think that's what it's needs. a real it's a real switch of hats. So I I, I, I got to switch to that whenever I can. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Fortunately, yeah. doing the show, I, I, to me, it's the most free because um, when I'm doing the uh, the radio slash podcast show, um, mm-hmm. other than just you know, because it's for, you know, I, I think it's a given. You're not going to say things that are hateful or bigoted. But no, no, other, no, no. Other no, than just simply not using profanity, they really don't really have much rules. People can talk about whatever they they feel they need to talk about to get across their their artistic point or, or, or their opinion. really yeah. yeah. Right. Well, my my message is this: love each other, for God's sake, love each other. <laughs> we have a beautiful world. We've been given this beautiful planet, this beautiful place. We're beautiful people, all of us, and we need to just love each other. You know, just love each other for who we are. And Accept each other. I don't really find are. anything's wrong with that message. Don't get me wrong, but I I like to be more curious and dig deeper. And I find that <laughs> lots of people don't love each other not because they hate the person across the street is because they don't even love themselves. I don't know how that's, you love somebody if you haven't even figured out how to get along with yourself. That's a really good point, Mark. That is a really good point. And that's what I think. And, and, and we go back to the, you know, where we started with, with that particular book I'm working on is that's what I want to get at. Notes for the Unwritten Child. Let's take a look at ourselves and let's, let's explore some wisdom and uh, let's learn to love ourselves first. And I really think I really think it definitely I really think it definitely starts there because if, if you yeah. look at on how people have bad relationships, whether they be romantic or otherwise, it starts with that they had questions about themselves or, or various insecurities, and they let those things help make choices for them, rather than making some of the better choices. And, and uh, so yeah. it doesn't really help you if you're trying to get off drugs, and the first thing you do is you get a girlfriend that's on drugs too. <laughs> yeah. This okay, reinforces yeah, things. It doesn't like that, help you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's bad, right there. Yeah, you don't want to do that. And I think I think that happens with a lot of people across the board in terms of of, of how they do things. Instead mm-hmm. of trying to find something better to to educate or, or to improve themselves, they wind up picking people just like themselves, which is really not always the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I guess where it starts is self improvement. Yeah, it's all Loving about the, the human condition. I mean, as we exactly. improve the human condition, then we're going to improve a lot in society and, and in the arts and, 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 mm-hmm. even, and in the world. But mm-hmm. I find that the arts can help prove, uh, improve that, the human condition if people just try to, to really, really concentrate on, on, on that rather than just, just writing anything they want to write. Write something that's deliberately trying to do something good for the world. That's what I say. I You know, I, again, I say that, um, you know, Art, at least in the classical definition, I think we need to carry that forward, is the right way of doing things, the right way to do something. And I think that the right way to do something in regards to art is put out a positive message. And um, even though sometimes it's a little difficult you know, to have faith in the goodness in humanity because there's plenty of good out there. It's in the small things you know, and the big things. And sometimes you have to look for them. But People, I think, are good. They want to do good. Um, and so I think art needs to show people that, you know, a better way, a better way. It's the, it's, I find it's the strongest things that people have in themselves is their ability to create art. And, and one of the best ways to, to know that's true 
is look at a, a dictatorship. One of the first things it tries to do is it's not trying to harm the political activists first. It's not trying to harm the, you know, the, the, other, uh, the other politicians or even the religious figures. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. it's trying to kill or imprison the artists because it knows more than anybody else they can affect more change and more attitudes uh, than, than, than anybody else can. Because, you know, when you, when you talk politics, even if you're against a dictator, you're only mm -hmm. reaching a slice of people. Just like religion, mm -hmm. you're only reaching a slice. But you get somebody who's a, a decent enough writer out there, he can affect thousands and millions of people. That's usually the first paper you want to get rid of. That's true. That's true. That's, as I said, the, uh, the pen is mightier than the sword. And the reason that is is because, um, be, because it talks to readers, and readers actually have the power. I, I, mentioned, I mentioned this in a few episodes ago, so it's definitely to mention it again only because it just it bears reminding about how much power art can have and, and what it can it do and, and how much you can do in the world if some of the worst enemies on the planet are looking to go after art. They're, they're doing that mm -hmm. for a reason. They're not doing that because they're, they're imbeciles. They're doing it because even they understand its power. Right. So if they it understand is. it, why the hell are you not trying to understand it? Right, because I think one of the, the, the um, we alluded to this, but I think, you know, what, what people fear is free thinkers. People are willing to think for themselves. Yep. And, uh, you know, we live in a society right now where we're programmed, we're being programmed uh, to feel a certain way, to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to be consumers, to run the machines. Um, and that's, I think that's why art becomes even more important is to take a look at maybe a, a, a you know, a better future. You know, I'm all, um, I'm all for that. In fact, I, um, I probably have a different viewpoint than most people, but I don't really believe that the state of the media and, and the journalism is helpful for any side. I, I really think that it's it's become so damaged and biased that it doesn't have much credibility anymore. Art, in many ways, can fill that vacuum. I, I believe the poet more than I believe the journalist most of the times. Well, yes, the poet is coming from the heart. The journalist, it seems, are just reporting a story, and it's coming from a bias. And I think a lot of those um, stories are um, at least edited with a bias from a um, from a hierarchy that has a political interest. Yeah, it could be a corporate entity. Maybe that's the way we should it could put be a corporate it. entity. It could be a government one, but. I, I find it's less and less credible, and, and the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, are you kidding, are you kidding me? So I, mm -hmm, I, I just exactly. I can't take it as, as seriously as I even did when I was growing up. It's just, it's becoming a, a failing institution. It is, I agree. Um, and it's sad, which is why it's so important for writers, for artists of all, and all people are artists. I think we didn't talk about that. Everybody's an artist of their own right. You have children that are, that are drawing pictures. That's art. Okay. You have people in their daily lives. Whatever you're doing, um, if you're doing a report, you know, again, art being the right way to do something. You can create art with a, with a simple report. Everybody's always creating some sort of art in their lives, regardless of what it is they're doing. You're giving a haircut. I, okay? I, I totally you can agree. It's, art. it's exactly what it's, what it's doing, and more people should take should take uh, a comfort that they can do something important with it if they if they really strive and they really focus. But and not to That's scare true. not to scare anybody in the future. But I'm telling you, folks, in the future, the dictator, he's going to do two things. Okay, 
He's going to invite the journalist in his office because he knows he can buy that person to talk about his message. And he's going to put the poet in jail, if not shoot him. That's what's exactly. going to happen. The artist is going to go to jail and the journalist <laughs> is going to go have lunch with the dictator. That shows exactly. you the kind of world that we're creating and where it's right. heading. So we, we right. have more of a say than the journalist is in many ways. We just we need do. to make sure we get that out there. We do. I think we need to take a, a responsibility. We need to write from our heart for honesty. And we need to write at least what we honestly believe is the truth. And I think we need to uh, take a look at um, hopefully building a better humanity in the future. That's what we need to try to take people, our readers, our, our viewers, our, our, our listeners, whatever, because it's all art. Well, I and there's agree. a right way to do everything. I cannot agree more. Donald, I want to thank you very much for, for joining us here this afternoon to provide another interesting and an authentic and powerful interview to, to match all the other ones we've done so far. And that's that's the reason why I, I do these, because um, it's not enough just to, to read uh, your work or the work of other writers. It's also good to hear something about what they feel like, like human beings and what they're trying to achieve. And, and, and other artists want to hear that. And, and I think in itself, it, it becomes an inspirational tool. So thank you very much for joining us. And thank, thank you, Mark, for the opportunity to spend some time with you. I really appreciate it, and I really enjoyed this uh, this conversation. You got it. All right, folks, until the next episode of Shrimp to be Human, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, definitely love to hear back your comments on, on, on this one. You take care. God bless. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing www.somapublishing.com